welcome to an encouraging message from Pastor Kenneth Bent, an associate pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. So let's go on now to my message, which I'm going to preach very quickly. So you'll have to listen fast. James said, be quick to hear and slow to speak. So that's why God gave us two ears uh, uh, so we could hear quick, more quickly than we speak. And so, uh, so the Lord would love us to develop an attitude and practice of praying without ceasing, as he says in 1 Thessalonians, sometimes in the middle of a stress-filled moment. How many of us have been in stress-filled moments, all right? If you've lived, you've been in a stress-filled moment at some point in your life. Um, and in times of trial or temptation, it's sometimes we don't know how to pray as we should, right? And so it's good to have a model or a pattern that we can refer to that will take us through some individual steps as we approach the Lord in our time of need especially. Uh, helps to have that systematic approach. And this is where the beauty of the Lord's Prayer helps us seek Him. And it serves to uh, reorient us properly and realign our priorities and reassure our hearts and release others and ourselves from sin and also to resist temptation. I will say, though, that Jesus' model prayer in the Lord's Prayer does not suit a complacent lifestyle that uh, a person who's satisfied with the treasures of this life, all right? It, because it's going to challenge you at every turn of every verse, every statement is going to try to reorient you in your life to point your heart towards God. So in general, Pastor Ron has often taught prayer is addressed to God for something in the name of Jesus, all right? A lot of people just miss the simplicity of what is prayer. Prayer is communication with God, of course. It's, it's, yes, it's conversation. It takes on many forms of worship, intercession, um, uh, confession, you know. It takes on many forms, but essentially prayer is to God for something in the name of Jesus. So the Lord's Prayer aligns with the Ten Commandments and uh, two greatest commands, loving God and loving your neighbor. Very quickly, the first group of the Ten Commandments are oriented towards God. No other gods before me. No carved images or idols. Don't take his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day. These are oriented towards God. As well, the first group of petitions in the Lord's Prayer are also oriented towards God. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the second group of the Ten Commandments is also oriented towards others. Honor your father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, don't covet. As well, the second group of petitions in the Lord's Prayer are also oriented towards others. Daily bread, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. Don't lead us into temptation 
All of these in the plural, by the way, all right? A corporate idea, not just you as an individual, but us corporately. Don't lead us into temptation. Let us forgive, forgive us as we forgive others, right? Don't lead us into temptation. A lot of times we think, well, it's just me, me and Jesus got a good thing going, or, or it's just about you, the individual. It's not. Prayer is a corporate thing. We, we go together, we flow together in Christ, right? Deliver us from the evil one. Well, the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. And so, in his part of his instruction, just in, to give it some context, just before the Lord's Prayer that Jesus shares with us and shared with his disciples, we should probably call it the Disciples' Prayer, I mean, the Lord gave it to us, but it's really the prayer that the disciples should be praying, right? But just before that, he says in Matthew 6, 7, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, as the pagans do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Matthew 6, 8, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. See, the pagans like the prophets of Baal, for example, you know, they're cutting themselves, they're yelling, they're screaming, they're dancing, they, they're just going around trying to get Baal's attention, all right? And they fail, right? And so Elijah mocks them and says, you know, hey, why don't you get a little louder? You know, say a few more words. Your God must be sleeping, right? The pagans always think they're going to be heard by the by their hyperactivity and their voluminous words. In fact, uh, it's kind of interesting. There's a, a, the Greek uses a couple of words that pololitria, not like many words, right? And it has an onomatopoeic idea, of, you know, like it mimics the sound of people just babbling on. Anyways, so just a few thoughts here. If we do not accept or inculcate the sovereignty of God into our worldview, then we are indicating that we desire to control our own destiny. Man's free self-determinism will ultimately become at some point an expression of rebellious idolatry. Our self-determinism actually forms part of the judgment of God because when our sins pile up, Romans 1 tells us that God leaves us to our own devices. And so we end up choosing to serve ourselves and we make up in our minds what we think God is. This leads down to a deadly spiral of death and self-destruction. So... We must accept God's sovereignty in our worldview. And we must reject our own self-determinism. God gives man over in judgment to do what he wishes, and thus this leads down to, to a deadly spiral of death and self-destruction. So why am I saying that? Well, the reason I'm saying that is because the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father, to use King James, who art in heaven, right? 
And God is not defined by our own understanding. It's defined, he defines himself by his word, right? Not just what we think. He's not just the sugar daddy in the sky or the great Santa Claus when we cry, you know? But Jesus said, pray like this. And then he says, so when you pray, I love that because he expects us to pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. The Greek emphasizes that the disciples should be praying differently than the pagans. All right? So then it starts, Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's better than saying hallowed because... Nobody knows what that word means anymore, right? It just means holy. We must note that he is our father. God is our father, meaning we're his children. How did we become his children? By repenting of our sins and receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for us, was buried and rose again. When I believe in Jesus, I became his child in reality. Well, aren't we all children of God because he made us all? Well, yes, in some general sense, but not particularly, right? We must be born again to have God as our Father, born from above. We worship and also I want to know this our fathers. I mentioned we worship and seek the Lord in community. Prayer is powerful when it's done together. He says, essentially, when Jesus is praying this, of course, he's probably speaking to them in Aramaic, which was his normal day-to-day tongue. I, he spoke, obviously, Greek and Latin, uh, was certainly familiar with them. But, you know, his day-to-day language was Aramaic, and so he would have said, and of course he could read in Hebrew, because he did that in Nazareth. Quoting Isaiah 61, they brought in the scroll, and he reads from it. Could have been the Septuagintal version of it, which is a Greek version, but nonetheless, we think he was familiar, at least with Hebrew and Greek and Latin, those were the, it's sort of like when you live in Port Arthur, you get exposed to not just English, if that was the language you were brought up with, but Spanish and Vietnamese, and, and you know, you'll get exposed to all kinds of languages, right? And so you learn to navigate those waters. Sometimes you learn the languages or learn portions of them at the very least. So Jesus is probably saying in Aramaic, Abba. Father, which is used by small children when they're speaking to their fathers, and it's also a a respectful way of talking about old men, or two old men, but it's very rare in Jewish prayers of this time period. Jews didn't, they kind of stayed away from using this terminology, but Jesus kind of captures that word and uses it and tells his disciples to use it. And Paul picks up on it and says he sent the spirit of uh, his spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry what? Abba Father. Father, Right, which is really a repetitive thing. Abba is Aramaic. Pater is Greek for father. So it's saying father, father. 
It's kind of an emphasis thing. God reveals and demonstrates his character using these, what we call, fancy word, analogical relationships, right? God is like this. Calvin said God reveals himself by using baby talk. He uses the Latin word balbutiri, just like a parent or a nursemaid using simple speech with its baby. That's how God has revealed himself, you know, The Bible, in all of its incredible wisdom, is just God's baby talk. So don't think that God's on the same level as we are. God revealed himself as Father. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son, he says in Hosea. Isaiah 9, 6 calls him the everlasting Father. And so God is in heaven. He's transcendent. He's high and beyond us. Scripture speaks of heaven, but not just in atmospheric terms, but of a place where God dwells and sits on his throne. John and Paul were caught up to heaven, and they saw the Lord. Daniel sees the Lord on the throne. It's like a different dimension. It's higher than us. We normally, yes, we use the terms of heaven is up and hell is down. Those are analogical relationships, right? But they're probably in different dimensions, obviously, that we cannot see. Honored is your name, holy. Set apart your holy name. It's an appeal to God to act, to vindicate his name. The relationship between name and person is much closer in Hebraic thought than for us. Real prayer Moving on, starts with praise. Our Father in heaven. It's praising God. It's acknowledging he's high above all. So moving on, Matthew 6.10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is very important. Six of the words in the Lord's Prayer are in the imperative in Greek, which means a, a word of command, right? But when you approach Almighty God, you cannot command him to do anything. But like a child approaches their father and asks him for something or asks their parents for something, very often a child will expect that their parents will give an answer as long as it's within the correct parameters, right? They they have an expectancy that the father or mother is going to hear their their request. It's going to be granted. And even though they know that they stand in a place of favor and that their parents want the best for them and their parents will bless them and their parents want them to be happy, and, and they know, Daddy, I sure would like this. Well, Give me this. They can even ask that with this expectancy. And it sounds like a demand, but when it's spoken with respect, it takes on a different role, right? So then God grants the request, and the fancy term for this in linguistic structure is a a passive, a divine passive, right? Lord, may your kingdom come. But the actual Greek says, your kingdom come. 
But we're not demanding that God's kingdom come, but we are standing in the place of real expectancy that his kingdom will come. That the the spirit of God, the peace of God, the word of God, the truth of God, the promises of God will come at our request because we stand as his expectant children honoring him revering him, exalting him, but yet with this expectancy that he will answer our cries. So he says, so everybody should with bold heart approach the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help in time of need. You can lay up resources ahead of you by praying today for tomorrow's resources. Amen? And very often uh, when people look at the text about give us this day our daily bread, they're telling us um, that there had, this has an eschatological function. It's, it's, it's looking towards the future, not just our daily bread, but also in the future. God, thank you that you will provide for us in our days ahead. Amen? So these are polite imperatives is another way that reflects confidence that our requests will be heard, considered, granted. And there are six of them in the Lord's Prayer. Holy be your name. Come your kingdom. Be done your will. Give us this day. Forgive us deliver us. Six imperatives. Forgive us our sins. Our sins, we... We don't... Sometimes we forget that sin creates a debt. Our sin before God must be paid. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. So God himself gave himself to pay for our debt of sin. And that has been wiped away in Christ. Thank the Lord. But also, Having been forgiven of my debt of sin, I need to forgive other people. I do not need to demand retribution from you because you sinned against me. I must, in Christ, let it go. I must write as Christ declared on the cross to Talisteh. It is finished. The word means complete. The debt is paid. Christ paid my debt. I must also then write paid in full on your debt if you sin against me. Forgive us our debts. Sin creates the debt. Our sin demands payment. The wages of sin is death. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave 
bearing one another. You know, others sin against us, some on purpose, some not knowing they have. Either way, we must stand and forgive. And don't let us yield to temptation, Matthew 6.13, but rescue us from the evil one. Temptation and trials will come, but God will rescue us. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, 2 Peter 2.9, and to keep the righteous, unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So much could be said, but I pray that, you know, if you're ever in a place where life is just pressing on you, and it will, all right? It will come at you from all different directions, some under great stress, some just little stresses that try to eat away at your peace. But in the moment, like when it feels like the whole world's falling apart, remember the Lord's Prayer and go back and say, my Father in heaven, I will represent your name in the earth. I will be faithful to carry and exalt your name in the earth. But I want your name to be exalted in and through my life and in my family and in my church and, and in your work, in your kingdom. Your will be done. Forgive me. Meet my needs. Just use those. Use those points and pray through them. It'll give you a framework that will allow you to have something to hold on to and it'll reorient your focus towards God Almighty, even in times of sorrow and great stress. Remember, Jesus loves you always. Well, Lord, we thank you for this time together and pray your spirit upon each of us. Help us to pray. Help us to honor you. Help us to carry your name and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us for that powerful word from Pastor Kenneth Bent. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive many more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.